Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated, but he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 AM and now at 106.3 FM. People love the Steelers. They are king. I think the younger demographic is starting to skew penguins, but peeps want to be hearing about them Steelers, right? I could not care less about the draft right now. I just can't get wrapped up in it. For the first time in forever, I can't wrap my head around who the Steelers are going to take at the end of round one. Penguins are going for a three-peat. That's the only thing on my mind right now. Hey, uh... Who do you think the Steelers are going to take at the end of round one? Tom! No, you really intrigued me when you asked that. No, Tom, we're not doing this. I know you were joking, but like, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? That linebacker out of Boise, what's his name? Van Schnoden or Van Benchoden or whatever? He's pretty good, isn't he? John Van Benschoten? Yes. He's all right. You're not a fan? You wouldn't take him in the first round? Would you take him in the second round? Get out of here with your Steelers talk! Okay. Get out of here! Okay. Stop it! Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. Who's the better Josh? Rosen. All right. There's something about Josh Allen I don't trust. Do you think the Steelers could end up taking a quarterback? I don't, Tom. Get out of here with this! I can't turn your microphone off. It's very frustrating. Because, like, Ben's got to have, what, two years left? Tops. Tom. Two, three. Tom, stop it. Punt. I mean, Lamar Jackson's going to be there. Punt. Steelers don't need a wide receiver. Do they need a punter? Stop it. Where would you pick a punter if you could? Well, I took a long snapper. I'm not doing this, Tom! I'm not doing it with you! Penguins did flip the switch last night. I wrote a blog about it on ESPNPGH.com. Check it out. Lots of clicks on that one. People are all about the pens right now. And, yes, they care about the draft, but they're all about the pens. And everything I put out there about the Penguins right now, is getting all kinds of clicks because people care. And I've been right all along with this team. I thought that they would have a new commitment to defense in the playoffs. They blocked 24 shots last night. They didn't give up that many high-quality grade-A scoring chances. I thought that their stars would step up to the plate. I thought that their depth would take over. And all those things happened, including Matt Murray, playing a lot better than he played this regular season and a hell of a lot better than he's played since he's come back from the concussion. I was right about all of that, and what bothers me is that so many around here, and again, it was one game, but it bothers me that so many people in these parts, in Western PA, and really nationally, have kind of written these Penguins off. They've said that these Penguins were so bad defensively that they were not going to be able to three-peat. And time will tell if they'll be able to three-peat. What I do know is they're not as bad defensively as everyone thought that they were because it's not a roster issue. It's not a talent issue. That's what kind of made me mad. That's what made me want to slam my head off of a damn wall. Is that people seem to think that because Ian Cole was gone, this defense core is worse than last year's defense core. And I know the numbers don't stack up. But if you've got Chris Letang, and you've got Brian Dumoulin, and you've got Ian Cole and Justin Schultz, oh no, look what I did! Oli Mata and Justin Schultz. You're going to be okay. 
Now, the issue is if one of those guys goes down and you're then counting on both Hunwick and Chad Ruedel being in the lineup, but we're not there yet. The six guys that they have in the lineup right now, I have faith in, and they proved that they deserve that faith last night. They played within themselves, and sure, it helps whenever you've got a big lead to be able to clamp down on said big lead, but they played a structurally sound defensive hockey game from the beginning of the game till the end, from puck drop until the final zeros. They're capable of it. It was never a talent issue. Fatigue is such an awful excuse. I love Rob Rossi. He joined the show for a couple of hours the other day. Good dude.
Can anybody hear me? Are we back? Oh, no. Mine won't turn on. My microphone. That's all right. I'll do the show from over here. Oh. Yeah. You want to use my mic? Uh, see if I can use this one. Sure. You got to turn it on. Am I back? Hey, there you are. Look at you. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. Now, where was I? Sorry, it's really windy out there, and the power went out, and we don't have the money See, this to fix is why, things. This We're is, bankrupt. This is why I told you to just keep doing your show, because then you wouldn't have had to worry about where you were in your, t- in your topic. But here's the deal. I need people to hear this take. Oh. It's geez. a great take. It's a fiery, steamy hot one. Steamy hot take? Steamy hot take. Hmm. I had Rob Rossi on the show earlier in the week, and one of the things he brought up was fatigue, and he talked about how Every playoff game is like four regular season games. And that's something you hear a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot from players. And I get that. And I understand the Penguins have played more hockey than just about anybody over the last two years. Carl Hagelin's played more playoff hockey than anybody since 2011. He didn't seem to be all that fatigued last night, did he? The fact that the Penguins were able to turn it on in the new year should make you realize that at no point... Was this team fatigued? Sure, maybe they say that they are, and maybe it's perceived that they are, and maybe they are, I guess, let me backtrack, to an extent. But that's not the reason the Penguins aren't going to be good enough. They showed last night that in a playoff game, they could ramp things up to the highest level. And if you're tired and you're drained and you don't have the damn ability to play because you're so fatigued, you can't do that. The Penguins flipped a switch last night, and they flipped that switch because they're not as tired as some of you out there might think. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. Here's the deal. Pirates are playing right now. I've got some around the bags for what happened last night, then I'll tell you what happened here. How about that? That a good deal? What do you think about that, Tom? Good deal? Great deal. I think it's a good deal? Okay, very good. Women have gotten trapped in Voracek's beard when they've tried to get to first base. Hockey-themed around the bags. The Pirates are 8-3, and three, about to be 9-3. and three. Folks are excited. I get it. While many aren't acknowledging that the Pirates are hitting great because of a small sample size, too many are trying to downplay the atrociousness of the bullpen. The Bucks pen... Has an ERA of 7.51. It's the worst in all of Major League Baseball. If hitting regresses at all, the Pirates are in big, huge, massive trouble. When women are hooking up with Phil Kessel, do they feel him up to get to? Second base. I hated the Cubs until last night. After the first of their home runs, the bullpen broke in a wild dance on camera. It's Crowley show approved. Baseball's supposed to be fun. In fact, the Pirates are posting videos on their social media accounts following wins. They're having a blast dancing around. Sports are fun. Baseball usually isn't. I'm down with the trend. Claude Giroux once got arrested for grabbing a cop's ass while trying to get to third base. True story. Sean Rodriguez was one for four with a bomb last night, three ribs. David Freeze was two for four with an RBI. The Pirates lineup is deep, and they've got a good bench. You can survive with Freeze and Seanrod getting some ABs this year. They're more than spot starters. Matt Murray is so used to blocking rubber, he doesn't use protection when. Going for home. The Pirates didn't commit an error last night, but the defense is horrendous. Jay Hay was unable to throw a runner out at home when it hit him right in the infield. 
Cervelli let more balls past him than Elliott let in pucks. I don't see the defense improving. Couple that with the bullpen, and the Pirates will be a team that blows some games this year. Let's get to today's game. Pirates are winning. They're up 6-1. to one. I really haven't watched much of it. Cervelli hit a bomb. Polanco hit two. They're going to be 9-3 and three because now Rivero-Vasquez is on the hill. Although he's got an ERA of 7.2, so maybe they will lose. Up next, if we don't get struck by lightning, Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Penguins winners last night. Close game. I was sweating until the end. I am happy, though, that Flyers fans learned how to count to seven. That's new. Joining us now to discuss from the Penguins Radio Network, he is Josh Getzoff. Hey, Josh, I'd say the Penguins effectively flipped that switch, huh? Yeah, I, that's probably exactly what I would say they did last night, Adam, and then some. I mean, seven goals and a pretty dominant performance, even going back into the net with the, some of the stops Matt Murray made in the game. You, you couldn't have diagrammed a better way to start the playoffs than, the Peng- than what the Penguins did last night. No, absolutely not. And I wrote something about this on ESPNPGH.com today that the Penguins have so many players who have outperformed their regular season numbers in the postseason that we shouldn't really be surprised at all that they were able to flip the switch. I know fatigue's been a big talking point, but these guys know what's at stake. They had the adrenaline going last night. I'm guessing that they'll be able to hit that level throughout the playoffs. doesn't guarantee anything, but I feel better about the Penguins now, I think, and I think most Penguins fans should, than they did at 6.59 yesterday. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there are certain players in this lineup that, even though they're still relatively inexperienced when it comes to the NHL and it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, they've already made a name for themselves that when the season flips to the second season, uh, they're some of the Penguins' best players, and for that matter, some of the best players in the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, we're talking about Matt Murray, who has yet to lose a playoff series in his career and looked like he was going to put himself in a pretty good position to continue that by how he performed last night. He hasn't even allowed a goal since Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final last year against Nashville. Uh, so he's he's been on fire in playoff play. And then Jake Gensel kind of picked up where he left off last spring with a four-point effort last night and uh, certainly looked like him and Sidney Crosby had rekindled some of that flame that we saw in the spring last year as well. And, you know, you look at that end of the spectrum with the less experienced guys, quote-unquote, and then a guy like Carl Hagelin who leads this Penguins team in playoff games played and, you know, just seems to have that flair for coming up with a big moment, not necessarily always a goal as he did last night, but making a strong play along the wall, creating a turnover, being a part of a big penalty kill to boost the Penguins when they need it. And uh, he obviously had a big goal last night. In my opinion, that second goal was the biggest one of the game for the Penguins because of how it came about. And You, you look at this lineup, and I think it's uh, it's pretty encouraging based on what we saw last night because that was a – you know, it's a, it's a huge cliche, as you know, but that was a total team effort from top to bottom. It was, and here's another cliche, but they were willing to do what it takes to win playoff hockey. They blocked 24 shots last night. I know Mike Sullivan said that this was the most complete defensive performance that he's seen. Uh, would you agree with that, and what do they need to clean up perhaps on that side of anything from last night? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I talked to Jamie Alexiak a little bit about that today because I couldn't help but notice, and he kind of shot down the idea of, of a matchup, and Mike Sullivan, of course, would never admit to playing the matchup game. It's never been his M.O., but I noticed last night that he was on the ice almost all the time against Wayne Simmons, and as a result, 
Mm. You didn't really notice Wayne Simmons in that game last night. Uh, and he's obviously made a, a role for himself, scoring some big goals around the net for the Flyers against not just the Penguins, basically the entire NHL. But to your point about the, the block shots, uh, yeah, 24 last night. I thought the Penguins really settled things down defensively. They, they, you know, they, they had their moments and they're never going to be perfect in their own end. You're always going to have a little bit of trial by fire with their defensive play and they are going to have their turnovers, but Matt Murray bailed them out on a couple of occasions. You think back to that Scott Lawton save when the scores won nothing there just prior uh, to the midway point of the first period. Biggest save of the game. You may look back as one of the biggest saves of the series when it's all said and done. Uh, by Matt Murray there. But the play in front of him, yeah, certainly was better. I thought Chris Letang really played well last night. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the power, the top power play unit, which he was not really skating with last night, struggled. But, you know, Letang himself, I thought, had a really solid game. Justin Schultz was really strong last night. Brian Dumoulin probably uh, had one of his better games in the postseason that we've ever seen him play. Uh, and Ole Matta just continues to be, I think, the Penguins' most consistent defenseman from start to finish this year. So, you know, you really like what you saw last night. And remember, that's against the Despite what the score said and everything that was highlighted with the Penguins' offensive flares last night, the Flyers team is pretty talented offensively. I mean, you're talking about Claude Giroux with 100-plus points, Voracek, Couturier, both coming off career regular seasons. And they have some punch up and down their lineup. I mentioned Wayne Simmons, Travis Konechny. So for the Penguins to have that kind of an effort in game one and really have that, you know, stick to itiveness, as Mike Sullivan would say, about their game defensively, uh, it was a really encouraging sign. I'm really impressed with what I've heard out of the Penguins locker room. Obviously, you're closer to it than I am uh, with what they said after the game and today about how it was one game and how they weren't perfect and how they need to keep at it. They're starting to really remind me of the 2008-2009 Detroit Red Wings. They're just so damn businesslike when it comes to the playoffs right now. And I think it starts with Sullivan. I think Crosby's leadership has been invaluable in that regard they're going about this all business uh, from other guys i talked to they said that the dressing room last night they weren't doing jumping jacks they weren't shooting off any fireworks or anything like that it is all business yeah and i think in the playoffs and you know this adam just following the sport and being a hockey fan when when a team starts to look ahead and believe that they can be somewhere that they are not quite at yet, that's usually when that team gets knocked off their horse and they, they fall apart a bit. And, uh, you know, maybe the Penguins were guilty of that prior to Mike Sullivan sure. with their playoff runs that they'd had in the past. But this group, for whatever reason, whether it's Sullivan's just play mentality, whether it's the fact that you look at the large bases of players that are on the Penguins roster and realize that they have won the 16 games required to win the Cup each of the last two years, uh, I think they have the ability to really – as Sullivan says, just kind of stay within the moment. And it's crazy. You hear Mike Sullivan say all these lines uh, during his press conference, and it's always repeated by the players, which to me tells me not that the Penguins are robots, as some people try to label them as. It more tells me that they're on the same page as their coach, which I think goes a long way and is not always the case, especially with some of the teams the Penguins match up against consistently, uh, both in the playoffs and in the regular season in the Metro Division. So I think that what you're seeing right now is a group that understands that last night was a hell of a start. I mean, you're not going to get a better jump out of the gate than what you got, but at the end of the day, you're up one nothing, and you still need to hold serve on home ice here because you don't want to go 1-1 back into Philadelphia. The Penguins played two of their best regular season games all year on the road this season in Philadelphia, winning both those games, but they'll be the first to tell you that doesn't matter. And if you're coming back there 1-1, that 7 nothing win rather feels like ages ago, and I would compare it almost in a way to game two of the regular season for the Penguins this year. 10-1 loss at Chicago. Have we heard from Chicago in the playoffs? No. 
I mean, this is a team with the Penguins that understands where they're at right now, and they're going to continue uh, to push forward regardless of the score of last night's win. Josh Getzoff joining us here on the Crowley Show. He, of course, from the Penguins Radio Network. Josh, Sidney Crosby was spectacular again last night after really, I thought, a quiet beginning of the game, although his line was just buzzing all night long. I just hope Penguins fans don't take for granted what we're seeing right now. Malkin was spectacular, but uh, it was Crosby who, again, showed that he knows how to pay the price and knows where to go in the playoffs. And I just I don't know how to count these guys out. I don't think anybody is anymore counting them out, but... When those two are at the top of their games, they're so hard to beat. They are. You know, first of all, the Malkin goal last night was ridiculous. Ugh. I mean, that was a jump-up-out-of-your-seat kind of play with him just jumping out of the box and skating through. I don't know what Jake Voracek was doing, but skating past Claude Giroux and Shane Gossespierre before scoring on the backhand there, that was a thing of beauty. And then the Crosby goals are just – you know, I was talking with Phil Bork last night, Adam, after our, during our post-game show. We were watching the replay of the hat-trick goal and the first goal, and – in my mind, the first goal was the, the prettiest and the, the most unbelievable as far as the three that he scored last night with a no-look backhand smack out of midair. Uh, so much velocity on it that it hit Brian Elliott's shoulder and then had enough velocity still to pop off the netting and come back out. I mean, that was a bullet off of his stick. But I, the more I look at that hat-trick goal, the more impressed I am by it because, one, Brian Dumoulin puts a heck of a pass there yeah. right on his stick to redirect it. and. To be able to change direction of that puck that quickly in that tight of space and go basically bar down in the top corner over Peter Morazic, that might be the more impressive one. The more that I look at the replay, just based on initial shock value, the first one was the best. But the more that I look at it, that third one was out of control. And probably, you know, we run out of words and ways to describe yes. what Sidney Crosby's doing right now. I'm still not of the, the opinion. I don't know if you are or not, but I'm not of the opinion that this is not getting old. A lot of people seem to think like, oh, this is what we expect now from Sidney Crosby. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that every time he does something like that, it's still equally ridiculous, and it just kind of gives you a second to appreciate what he's capable of. And last night was the latest example, and, and Malkin as well. I mean, those guys, I just don't know who could beat the Penguins four out of seven in a series when both of those guys are engaged like they were last night and are playing at that kind of a level. And when the goalie for the other side's not playing all that great, and I feel bad for Brian Elliott. Uh, I don't ever feel bad for Flyers, and I am not afraid to admit that I don't ever feel bad for Flyers, but this is a guy coming off of surgery, uh, a difficult core injury. Claude Giroux talked about how he doesn't know he's come back from it so fast. Well, maybe he shouldn't have come back from it so fast. He played two regular season games prior to getting in last night, did not play well in one of them at all, and then he's the guy, and now he's going to be the guy in game two. On one hand, I, I think that it means Hackstall showing a lot of respect in him. On the other hand, man, I, I don't think it's the fairest thing to do to Elliott, and I don't think it's the right decision, I guess, beyond that. Yeah, you know, it's a real slippery slope for the, for the Flyers based on how that series started for him. And Brian Elliott, let's be honest, we all knew the goaltending for Philly was going to be as big of a key as the goaltending for Pittsburgh was going to be in this series. And after one game, it's completely lopsided. But the, the fact of the matter is for the Flyers, if Brian Elliott comes out tomorrow night and lets in an early goal, uh, and it's not a not a pretty goal that gets by him. Like, for example, the goal last night, I believe, which was the first goal, and he probably would have wanted to handle that shot from Chris Letang a little better initially. And uh, Brian Rush shot, I have no idea how it went past him, but it did um, to open the scoring in that game, and he kind of never really seemed to regain composure after that. So uh, Brian Elliott's played in 40-plus playoff games. There's not any 
kind of unknown for him as far as what he is as a goaltender. He's above average, I would say. He's not much better than, than that on, on the career on the whole. He's definitely been good for the Flyers this year. I think he did earn the right to start last night based on how he's played in the regular season. But Peter Morazic's got pretty good playoff numbers. He's a guy that when he gets hot, he could be ridiculously good. Uh, I didn't think he was also very good last night for that matter, but uh, obviously he's coming in cold against the Penguins team that was absolutely firing on all cylinders. So uh, it's an interesting decision that faces Dave Haxel. And I know I saw today, just like you mentioned, that Brian Elliott's going to go back in uh, tomorrow night. And I get it, but I think it's one of those situations where it's only going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be really good for the Flyers or really, really bad. So Giroux was minus four last night. <sighs> they don't have a chance in this series if they don't play – if his line doesn't play Crosby even, I don't think, and uh, clearly they lost that battle last night. If you're Hackstall, do you try to get that line away from Crosby's line now? Uh, it'll be tough, obviously, on the road, but when you flip back to home to get to Philadelphia, I think I might, and it was only one game, but I think I might try something else there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, you really didn't notice Giroux and Couturier all that much last night, which I think speaks volumes beyond the offensive prowess that Crosby and his line had last night, but how well they played all around the ice uh, as far as their uh, assignments were concerned in the 200-foot game that we know Gensel can play and Sid obviously can play just as well as anyone in the league. Uh, Brian Russ pretty responsible in his own right as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Dave Hextall try to change things up a bit. What I am a little bit surprised about are some of the lineup decisions he's made. Just in the little bit that we've seen the Flyers head-to-head this year, and I've caught them on television when uh, they were coming down the stretch and trying to make in the playoffs. Travis Konechny is a really good player for Philadelphia. And Dave Hextall, the last time the Penguins faced the Flyers in the regular season here in Pittsburgh, uh, had Konechny on the top line was Giroux and Couturier, and those three were firing on all cylinders. They were really good uh, for Philly. For some reason, he's moved Michael Raffle up to that wing, mm. and he's got Konechny on the third line with Valtteri Sopola and Wayne Simmons, which is not a bad line in its own right. But I think with the Penguins, you have to kind of front-load your lines if you're going to try to compete. As you mentioned, you want to break even at the very least. I mean, you're not going to want to have the, any weak links on the top line that's going against Sidney Crosby, and that, that's kind of stuff that I feel like maybe – Mike Sullivan can take advantage of and out coaches a bit as far as his uh, opposing coach and Dave Hackstall so far in this series. Another thing to watch is the defensive play. Uh, you know, Shane Gosses Bear was a minus four last night, not very good in that game. Ivan Provorov playing in his first playoff game last night was, was not very good. I think he was minus three. Um, and those are the top pair for the, for the Philadelphia Flyers. And beyond that, man, it's, it's sparse. Uh, Andrew McDonald is not exactly a guy I'd have confidence in as my second-pairing defenseman. Travis Sanheim had zero playoff games before last night. Radko Gudis, I mean, okay. <laughs> and then you go beyond that with the blue line. It, 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 there's not really any, anyone that I think is striking fear. Where you, I mean, you look at the depth the Penguins have, and it's just it's different. I, and I think the Flyers have the ability to score with the Penguins, but if it's going to go like it did last night, I do not think they have the ability to defend with them, and that's going to obviously offset things when it all comes down to it. Yeah, just listening to you talk there, they're done. The Flyers are done. They might win a game. Maybe they'll win two, but they're done. I'm just saying. I'm just telling you right now it gets off. It's, it's all you're, you're, over. You're saying it. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, listening on the other end. Uh, Josh, are you going to be calling any of the playoff games? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to be doing the game, the pregame and postgames live from Philly, though, when we go out there. Uh, Mikey, Mike Lang and uh, Phil Bork will be calling the games on the radio for the the road, so we're looking forward to that. Well, then, 
If you're done for the year, you did a damn good job, man. Thanks for coming on and keep up the good work. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Get that dog out of there. Get that dog off my lawn. Coming up next, the Penguins were able to flip the switch. I told you they were going to. They did. It was delightful. We're talking all hockey today, bitches. Penguins are in the playoffs. Pirates are 9-3. and three. Great. Wake me up in June. It's the Crowley Show. State Farm, this is Bill. It finally got me, Bill. What's that, Rick? The Clark Street Crater, the mother of all potholes. Oh. Yeah, year after rim-wrecking year, it's tormented the people of this town. They try to fill it, but it always returns. It got me good. But you know, State Farm's got you, too. You hear that? You ain't nothing! You trash-talking a pothole? Yes. Yes, I am. Go with the one that's here to help life go right. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Last 10 games at Wrigley Field for Francisco Cervelli. He's hitting 410. Tom thinks he sucks. He had a bomb today. He carried them to victory. Tom doesn't know. He's no Tyler Glass now, please. Oh, Wes Euler, radio dude in Philadelphia, joining us in 16 minutes here on the Crowley Show. We talked to him before the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Wonder if people in Philadelphia still be feeling themselves now. I'd imagine not. They now know how to count to seven. I love that joke. It might not be funny, but I love it anyhow. Bunch of dumb Philly people. Tom and I talked about it prior to the game yesterday that we'd love to see the Penguins come out and just prove that they were men and the Flyers are boys. And that's what happened. I even said prior to the series, how about this? How about this? How about this? I said prior to the series, the Penguins were the 2007 Ottawa Senators and that the Flyers were the 2007 Pittsburgh Penguins. They've got a chance to be really good, I think, in the near future, does Philadelphia. But they don't have the guns right now to match up. Provorov, their best defenseman, is a rookie. Well, it's his first playoff appearance. And he got bitch slapped last night. Gossespierre is a good player, young player, though, and he got bitch slapped last night. I was listening to Standing Guy. Love the show. Today on my way in. And Guy said, it looks to me like the Penguins... Or that Senators team from 2007. You dirty dog, you. I said it before the series, guy. I was soaking up every last second of standing guy today, though. In my veins. It's playoff hockey time, baby. I don't have time for anything else. Nothing else. Nothing. Wrapping things up here at Wrigley Field for the day. Cubs fall to the Pirates. Six to one. Trevor Williams for the Buckos went six strong with five Ks and a walk. Kyle Hendricks tried to match him, but he has no idea what he's doing out there. Couple walks issued on the day. He did strike out seven, though. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do after I get home today, but I'm sure it'll be something really interesting. Hey, maybe I'll eat myself a wrap since we're wrapping things up here. Although I have such trouble keeping the meat and the cheese together because my rap job is always subpar. I don't know. Back to you, Adam. Subpar? 
What is this Cloud Jeruz plus minus from last night? I was watching that hockey game, and I got to tell you, I love the ice out there. So many pretty colors. I had to wonder, does the red line taste like cherry? Does the blue taste like a blue raspberry? I don't know, but I would pay to find out. Can the Penguins flip the switch was the question that was asked coming into the playoffs. We talked about it on the show. I thought they were going to be able to. And last night the Penguins said, oh, F yeah, we can flip that damn switch. Over the last two years, we've seen pedestrian regular season players lift their games to new heights in the playoffs for this team. Brian Rust has 33 goals in 181 career playoff or regular season games. He got 14 in 47 career playoff games. Playoff Rust was back last night. Jake Gensel's got 38 goals in 122 regular season games. He's got 14 in 26 career playoff games. Playoff Gensel was back last night. Carl Hagelin's got 26 goals in 179 games with the Penguins in the regular season. He got 21 in 113 career playoff games. Playoff Hagelin? What was he last night, Tom? Uh, He was was back. back! Yes! Matt Murray has a 9.17 save percentage in the regular season. Get a 9.30 save percentage in the postseason. Hey, Harry, what was Matt Murray last night? Matt Murray, I like to call this guy the Merman because he's flopping around on that ice like a fish. He was back, baby. Derek Broussard averages .55 points per game in the regular season and averages .7 points per game in the spring. Crosby and Malkin are both top 20 players all time in playoff points per game. Phil Kessel's got 45 points in 50 career playoff games with the Penguins. Can the Penguins flip the switch? Looking back on it, dumb question. Odd question. Stupid question. They've got a roster full of players who outperform or match the regular season statistics when the stakes are at their highest. How far will it take them? I don't know. I sure as hell won't bet against them, though. The playoff Penguins were back last night. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jim does just that. He says, dude, they beat the freaking Flyers. Nothing to be so psyched about. We'll have to bet a few Guinness if your pens play my big bad Bruins. This is the best time of the year. Everyone thinks that their team is great until they lose a playoff game. I'll tell you this. Penguins... Ain't going to have a tough time with these Flyers. There might be a couple of games that are close. Sure, I said that yesterday. Playoff games are close. Sometimes you'll have a blowout, but more times than not, they're going to be tight. They're not going to win the series, though. And Toronto's got a legit shot to beat Boston. So, Jim, sure, if the Penguins do play the Bruins, we can talk about it. But I think the Penguins have a much better chance of getting there than the Bruins do. They've certainly... Got an easier path. There's no question about that. And I'm feeling pretty good about the Penguins' chances right now of at least going another month, which means my job has become fun. It's always fun, but more fun. And it's become fairly easy. Because if the Penguins beat the Flyers, and they will, then they're going to play a couple of more weeks at least. That means a month of playoff hockey talk. And there's no place that you should go for playoff hockey talk other than the Crowley show. I don't typically do the break it down type stuff for the entirety of a show, 
But just bear with me for a second. I want to go through some of these goals that the Penguins scored last night because I think it underscores the point of the playoff performers that the Penguins have on their roster. Brian Rust scored off a shot by Latang. It was a terrible rebound by Elliott. That has to be in the corner every single time. Didn't happen, and he bared it short side. But Rust is a guy who scores more goals in the elimination games than he does in any other games. Latang is a guy who struggled at times this season, and I thought he played a very strong game last night. Again, no surprise, the stakes were high. Haglin and Hornquist created the turnover by Cooter. That's what I'm going to call Couturier from here on out. Cooter. Because he stunk. Came off a shift by the fourth line that wore the Flyers down. Haglin and Hornquist are such a difficult pair to play against. And then you got Malkin, who, by the way, one of the top five players in the game, I think, this year. Maybe one of the top three. Maybe the best player in hockey this year when he was on, when he was at his pinnacle, and he was at his pinnacle last night. But a lot of it's created because of his awesome line mates. Haglund's the first guy on the puck all the time. Hornquist is busting heads every time he's out there on the ice. He's always in the crease. He's always giving the goaltender a tough time. That line in the Crosby line, I don't know if I'd rather have any two lines in hockey than those two, and they're both on the same team. The third goal, Malkin around Voracek, Giroux, and Gostisbehere. Who are the Flyers' three best players? I think they're Giroux, Voracek, and Gostisbehere's right up there. And Malkin made them look like baby back bitches. I don't know what the hell Voracek's doing. He's trying to get off the ice. He didn't want the minus. I don't even know if Voracek got a minus on that, actually. Because he didn't smack Malkin with his purse as he goes by. He then got off the ice. I don't know if Malkin had scored by the time he got off. But regardless, then you got Giroux, who's tired from being on the power play for two minutes when they didn't register a shot. And he doesn't get his stick on Malkin. doesn't get body on Malkin. And if he takes a couple of more strides, he really could have affected that play. Ghost is bare. His nickname is Ghost. And Malkin goes right through him there. Then on the fourth goal, you've got Sherry, Broussard, and Gensel hooking up. Number one unit, not great last night. With the PP, but what a feed from Broussard to Gensel. Then Crosby scored three goals in a row, the Natty Hattie, and it was dirty. All of them. Smacks one out of midair with such force that it hit Elliott, went through him, and got his ass yanked. It was started by Gensel winning a foot race around Andrew McDonald. How does that happen, by the way? How in the world does Andrew McDonald get put on the ice when Sidney Crosby's out there? Well, I guess the Penguins have last change at home, but that guy stinks. If Crosby and Malkin are consistently on the ice against that guy and Gudis, they're going to dominate. And hell, I guess even the top pair for Philadelphia last night was a combined minus seven. Yikes. Crosby picked up the garbage on his second goal. Nice bounce there. Goes to Sid, but he's in the right spot, as he always is, and... Sick AF deflection on the third one with a hell of a pass by Brian Dumoulin. The more I talk and the more I think, and those things usually go hand in hand, it's a tandem type thing, I don't see a way that the Flyers can do this. They can score with any team in the league, but their defense is so awful that if the Penguins play structurally sound like they did last night, they'll have some chances, but the Penguins are going to outchance them. And the Penguins can 
make the most of opportunities when they're not getting a lot of them. If they're going to get a lot of them, peace. You're done. It's over. And Philly fans, hopefully they're done feeling themselves. Wes Euler from Philly will join us next to discuss. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Welcome to Geico's Motorcycle Neanderings. Oh, man, this is great. I sure saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. Scored some big savings, and now I can use their mobile app 24-7 for all sorts of stuff. Life just makes sense now. What doesn't make sense is if a highway splits, it's a fork in the road. Then wouldn't a long, straight stretch be a knife in the road? And then wouldn't a cul-de-sac be a spoon in the road? What would a spork be? Geico Motorcycle. Savings that make sense. I would do it. I would lick the ice. I'm a huge fan of flavored ice. I love to get me a snow cone in the middle of the sixth and seventh inning every game. I like to combine all the flavors. It kind of makes it look black, but I'll tell you what, Adam, it's one of the most delicious things.